Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season this Tuesday, January the 11th, as we gather this next hour around the inspired and true Word of God and see Christ, our light and our life. And this light and life shines on us from Matthew chapter 8, as we continue to see Jesus at work and showing his authority that we saw yesterday with Pastor Todd Niebling, and today we see him continuing to heal, bringing peace to a storm, and shows us the cost of following him. It brings us a lot of questions. We see what it did then, and what does this mean for us today? Stay tuned as the gifts are ready, ready for you. As KFUO is Christ for you anytime, anywhere, we know that we have listeners from all over the world. I noticed this last year as I started my one-year anniversary. It was on Friday, and I want you to respond once again. How long have you been listening? Where are you listening from? Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can call us or go to the KFUO app and leave an, there's an open mic option right there in the app. You can just leave us a message. Where are you listening from and how long you've been listening? So far, we have heard from listeners from Ohio, two people, Illinois, two people, Missouri, a ton of people, Wisconsin, Oregon, and even Hawaii. And of course, we have one strong, wonderful member who keeps listening every day in Sri Lanka. So wherever you're listening from, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of this program. For more information of their work, visit lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good to be talking with you again. I hope you had a blessed Christmas and New Year's, uh, but it's nice to be uh, conversing with you again, Brady. And yes, I've been listening for 40 years, and uh, <laughs> either in uh, St. Louis area uh, right now, up in the north, where it is really, really cold. Well, not so bad yeah. today. We, Are you in Northfield right now? Freezing. Yep, yeah, I'm in Northfield, even as we speak. So. Oh, wow. Okay, well, good. welcome back to Minnesota. This is the best time to be here, they say, right? <laughs> yeah, do they? <laughs> well, I'm leaving Sunday, so that should show you my opinion about being here this time of the year. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Negative well, 14 last week, Brady, negative 14 without yeah. a wind chill. Yeah, yeah, okay. Was, <laughs> just not not to brag or anything. It was negative 25 here when I woke up on a Friday morning. So just just so you know, that uh, that's, that's our <laughs> okay. life as well. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll bask in the warmth of Northfield rather than being up there where you're at. <laughs> See, problem solved. <laughs> so. Well, Pastor, it is. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. You've been a listener for 40 years, and, and for us, I'm just always amazed that I get these emails from Hawaii and Oregon and, and uh, Sri Lanka and others. What does that mean for you? You've been, you've been part of KFUO for a long, long, long time. It's amazing to me to see how far this has gone and, and what it means to our listeners. Any thoughts you have? Well, just yeah, that's the radical change. I don't know if people appreciate that who are around the St. Louis area because, of course, we're used to listening to KFUO for ages. You know, it's been been it's one of the longest running radio stations in the country. But the fact that, like you said, now you got someone in Sri Lanka. Uh, we've had people listen to our show in the Philippines, uh, in Germany, and of course even North Dakota. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> see, that's amazing. Uh, the things that you and I are going to share with people today, literally are being heard around the world 
And uh, wow, because we got a good thing to share. It's just all about God's love and forgiveness of Jesus. And what an opportunity he's given us now to literally take it out to all the nations as he commanded. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It really is. It really is. So reminder, send us an email where you're listening from, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor, as we look at Matthew chapter 8, um, I like how we talked a little bit beforehand, and like how you said, when you put it into just each section, you're kind of like, okay, that's nice. I mean, and obviously there's a lot of wonderful things to unpack, but also there's a lot of interrelated parts to this. So I I want to I want to ask you to pray for this, to pray for us to be able to see the connections that we see in Christ in our text today. So could you could you add that to your prayers this morning? Sure, sure. Let's pray. Uh, oh Lord, yeah. We I, I, again, as we always do, we come to you because uh, we, we'll see in today's text. There's no understanding of you, of our world, of ourselves uh, apart from the working of your Holy Spirit. And we also know there's no working of the Holy Spirit apart from your word. So we pray you'll show us all the interconnections between these texts. Show us especially how it connects with us in our daily lives today. Uh, give us your grace and mercy and show us that you are a God of forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, as I've said three times already, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850. And Pastor, you had a great idea. Should I write this down, that you had a great idea this morning, or not? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm trying to joke. <laughs> no, you had a great idea, a great idea for us to read the whole thing. And this is something I've done before, but I think this is really important for our text today to read the whole thing, which is Matthew chapter eight, verses 18 through 34, and then get some broad strokes that I know you've seen and I see as well in this text, and then go slowly through it from there. Any thoughts on that? That sounds great. I mean, that's the thing that really, this is why it was so fun for me, Brady. I have dealt with every one of these single stories before as a pastor, preached on them all. But this is why it was such a joy for me. It was the first time I read them all together, and I never saw all the connections that these stories have with each other. So go at it. Go at it, Brady. Let's, let's get right. out of here. <laughs> we, are, we are reading from the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 8, far de- starting in verse 18. Hey, could, could you start with verse 17? Would that be all right? Oh, for Pete's sake, yes, of course. That makes all the sense, because <laughs> guess what? It goes back to the Old Testament and connects it all. You're right. Verse 17. Yeah. All right. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And when they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there a great calm. And the men marveled saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? And when he came on the other side to the country of the, uh, ah, 
See, this is what I can't. Well, how would you pronounce this, Pastor? I'm just going to ask you. Is that don't don't out? ask me. I I have no idea. I will accept whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I'm just going to go. Gadarens, two demon possessed good men to me. met him. Sounds good to you. Good. Two demon possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out. What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their reading, region. Excuse me. So this is the word of the Lord that we hear from the book of Matthew. Pastor, how do you want to start us off as we look at broad strokes in these wonderful, uh, theologically packed, Christ-centered passages? Well, so, so that's why I wanted you to go back to the verse before this, the verse that you would have concluded with yesterday, about this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't like that English translation because it seems like he's just concerned about your sickness. And, and, and of course, the, the words in Isaiah, the Hebrew in Isaiah, let me look that up real quick, uh, was uh, our griefs and our sorrows is how that comes out in the Hebrew. And, and the word there, illnesses and even disease, can mean not just a physical ailment, but it can mean moral, spiritual, a weakness, whatever. Uh, and, and so we got people listening to us all over, probably in Sri Lanka, and, and who knows where all. Uh, and, and they do. They've got struggles. They've got trials. And, and you need to know what this text is about and what it's been about, because that's actually a summary verse of what you've been talking about over the past few days. Yeah. Uh, whatever your burden is, God doesn't want you to carry that. He wants to carry it. He wants to bear that. That's what he wants to do. And it occurred to me, that's what all these stories are about. We're going to hear today. It's about Jesus coming in and wanting to take people's burdens off of their backs. <laughs> the problem mm. is, though, people don't always want to give them up. But, but that's the God we got. So whatever you're wrestling with, let me, let me know, tell you right now, he wants to bear that burden. That's what he came for, and it's still what he wants to do. Um, now let me make, throw another curveball at you, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Would, Would you, you okay. mind reading, read verse 26, <laughs> verse 26, which is in the middle of the story about the storm and, and, and uh, the thing, you know, why, why don't you care if we perish or not, Lord? But read what Jesus says to the disciples in the middle of that storm. Okay, verse 26. I just want to make sure. No other verses? This is the only one you're asking me to do. Yeah, this is the only one we need at this point, yeah. <laughs> all right. We're trying to draw it all together. What this, all right. What this all, all right. Has to do. Yeah, yeah. Verse 26. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and right. rebuked and, the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So here's here's the problem again. And I have no idea why the English translation does this. Because this is not the word uh, afraid. Why are you afraid? This is not the word we heard back when the angel comes to Mary, right? And Mary's afraid. It's not the word that's used of the shepherds when they saw a host of angels and they were afraid. No, this is the word for cowardice. Jesus says, here's your problem. 
you are a bunch of cowards, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? Because honestly, if you're in a boat in the middle of a, a terrible storm and it looks like the boat might sink, that's a reason to be afraid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's sometimes when you should be afraid, but the problem is that they are cowardly. And I think that issue, the issue of cowardice, will help us understand uh, the the opening story about the two men who are reluctant. Uh, well, one seems to be more than eager to do what Jesus wants. Uh, right. But anyway, um, so so let's go back. I'm ready to go back to the beginning and, and start dealing with it uh, section by section. Unless you've got some overarching things you you want to point out. It, there's a number of very key themes that we continually see throughout this. Is one. Um, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand, and we're seeing yep. how Jesus's kingdom functions different than a normal king. So that's a, a, a wonderful interpretive key we've seen throughout how he teaches, how he heals, how he serves. Even at the beginning, like we had an epiphany you know, just this last Thursday, or if you celebrated on Sunday, that this king is for all nations. And so you see that even in, with this as well. Secondly, it shows his authority that how does this king use his authority? So he's not a king that doesn't have power or authority. He does. And how does he use it? And I kind of I love how you said it, too, that he took our illnesses and bore our diseases, showing that he takes our burdens, and you see this throughout the scriptures, that he um, he's proving why we can trust that he will do these things. You know, it's not just, hey, don't worry, I'll be there for you, like a friend might tell you, but you really don't know if you can fully trust if they actually can do what they're telling you. But here he's definitely proving that, yes, I can take your burdens, and then obviously he fulfills that in the cross and the empty tomb and his ascension, that if he can take care of those things, he truly will be with us in our current issues and the promise, of course, of the resurrection. So really, that is a theme throughout this, always pushing us back, showing how God has been faithful, pushing us to the present and saying he's with us and pointing us to the future where everything will be fulfilled when he returns. So it's just this wonderful back and forth. And it's, I don't know, those are the things I've seen. Anything else you have? Well, and I really like that idea that it's not just like me. Oh, Brady, I'll help you out, but you don't know. (laughs) Maybe the problem you have, that guy can't help, but you're right. And that's the point. This is why this is the answer to cowardice uh, is the fact that maybe you and I can't handle it. But we know someone who literally can, and you're right. Uh, the ultimate uh, uh, demonstration of that, of course, is his resurrection from the dead. But throughout this whole book, it's just over and over again. Yeah, here's the guy you run to when you got problems because he actually can do something about it. Okay. Um, well, by the I'll way, Neil thought about what what a king should do too. Uh, yeah. I hope Biden's listening to us because kings are supposed to serve their people. The people don't serve the king. But the king serves the people. And again, if you're a king, you should have the kind of power that you can do that. Uh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brady. And I was just going to say, you know, there's one of those things where if you were to say, hey, Brady, I'm there for you. I'm going to help you out. And then yeah. it gets to negative 14. I'm not sure if John Lecumsey is going to drive <laughs> back here to Minnesota and help me out. I'm not so sure anymore. I used to think you would, but I'm you're, not you're, so sure. You're at- you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's dig into the text here. Let's dig in the text. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. We'll just read verses 18 through 22. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. 
And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So, Pastor, let's begin. Let's leave 21 and 22 to a little bit later. But 18 through 20 yeah. has this wonderful, like, wow, this guy, this guy is all in. I'll follow you wherever you go. I mean, this is like, uh, it feels like the fishermen, you know, uh, James and John. He says, follow me. And they do. And, uh, I mean, this sounds pretty good. A scribe of all people is doing this. What did you find on this? So, so here's, here's the thing, and it's amazing how, how sometimes you can be so dumb because I've preached on this text, I don't know, probably at least a dozen times. I don't know how often Matthew came up when I was a pastor, but I never, ever saw the connection before that the reason all of this is coming up is it's no longer fun time. Fun time is over. Uh, and what I mean by that is up to this point, it's relatively easy to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's, that's why you got crowds following him. Uh, basically, you would go out and you would listen to Jesus preach. He's up there on the mount, right? This, this comes after the Sermon on the Mount. You go home and you sleep in your own bed. Yeah, it's not all that difficult to be a disciple of Jesus. And now Jesus says, now we're leaving. Now we're going to get on a boat and we're going to go on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And, of course, at this point, you're thinking, well, wait a second. <laughs> so I'm not coming home tonight? No, no, no. And, and here's the other thing. Why are we going on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Because that's the Decapolis. There's no Jews over there. There's not, a, not, not the people we like, people we're from. You know what they do over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? They eat pigs. They raise pigs. These are crazy people. Oh, and they are crazy people. We hear stories of people. I mean, we've got demon-possessed people. We understand that. But over there, the demon possession is so strong and so horrible that, that men cannot prevail over these men who are demon-possessed, which, of course, is what would you expect in a country like the Decapolis, which is totally – why do you want to go there, Jesus? See? So, so it never occurred to me before what Jesus is asking of these people, these disciples, is now – now you've got to make a sacrifice. Now it's not just going to church on a Sunday morning and listen to the sermon, and then you go home and do whatever you want to do. Now you're going to have to start living your life as a Christian, which, you see, I think everyone listening to us, I hope you understand that's how it is. If you thought it was just about listening to Brady and John on uh, Thy Strong Word, and then you just go about your business, you are wrong. From this moment on, you have been given a very, very difficult assignment, and that is that you have to love people this day. And I mean really love them, not just pat them on the back and say, oh, God bless you, but be willing to make sacrifices, to give up things for them. And in fact, you've got to do it not just for the people you like, but you're called to do it even for those people you don't like, for your enemies. That's what you've got to grasp. It is not easy to be a Christian, and if you think it is, you're missing the point, all right? And so, I found, honestly, it would be easier just to forget Jesus. I could even sleep in on Sunday mornings. But what you are asked to do as a follower of Christ is incredibly, incredibly hard, and you should not be surprised if there are any number of burdens and crosses you have to bear. And that's the context. And now we have the response of two people to this, this call, now that we're going to pack up our bags, and we're going to go out on, on a, 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 a sea that's very, very dangerous. In fact, there's storms all the time. We might not even make it across to the other side. See, So just understand the response of these people in that context. And that's where we hear from this scribe who's, who's speaking the right words, and Jesus kind of, he puts it back on, he puts it back on himself, uses son of man language, which I, which I want to get into a little bit later, 
Um, and he, he basically puts it, I think, in two realms. One, he's speaking about himself. He's a son of man, clearly. And he's left his, I guess, his, his home of heaven and came down among us. But also showing them that when you follow me, you might not have that, that bed to lay in later on. You might not have. Actually, you're, that's what I'm kind of telling you right now is you're not going to have that bed to lay in right now. Um, before this point, he did. Like, Peter, you want to... I went to his mother-in-law, went to the house where his mother-in-law was sick. I mean, they're still kind of in that safe space, if you will. But then he challenges them to go beyond that safe space and and reminds them too. kind of a, this is kind of a reminder of of Jesus being an alien and on earth here is that, that he left his home to die for our sins and we are called to follow him, which won't always be comfortable, like you said. So any, any thoughts on on that, where he says nowhere to lay his head. Any, any, anything you found on that? Well, so, so here's the thing that, that you, you've pointed out. Uh, this man seems like he is an eager beaver, right? Oh, I'll go right. wherever you go. Uh, but, but this, but remember, the issue is we are all cowards. That's where you have to start from. That we're all cowards. And so, what we have here from this man is false. Bravado. We even have a word for it in English. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> False bravado. Say, right? Same thing with Peter. Remember when Jesus talked about how hard it was going to be? And Peter said, oh, well, not me. No, I'll go to prison. I'll die for you. Same, same problem. And as you pointed out, Brady, that's the problem. You don't know where you're going. You think it might be comfortable and easy, but it is not. Like you said, if, if God himself isn't going to have a place to lay his hands, how do you think it's going to be for you? Um, and, and do you think this nowhere to lay his head, is that asking too much to see that as kind of a, a, a foreshadowing of the crucifixion? Because, you know, when you're hanging on a cross, you don't have any place to lay your head, do you? There's no soft pillow you can just put your head back. No, there's no place. Your head just hangs down until you die. Um, so I think that's the point. Uh, I, I remember the parable about counting the cost. And I think that's what we have yeah. here. I think Jesus is saying to this guy, you haven't really counted the cost. You don't really understand. <laughs> of course, we're there too. Oh, we're good, brave Christians. And I'm thinking Jesus said, you have no idea what I'm going to ask you to do uh, yeah. as a follower for me, the people you're going to have to love and care for. So let's not come at it that way. No, no, because you will not get to where you need to be if you think it's going to be your bravery and your strength and your faithfulness that will get the job done. Um, yeah, Brady, there's all kinds of other things here. Like you pointed out, he's a scribe. And, mm-hmm. and everywhere else in the book of Matthew, scribes are not good. Scribes no, are no. the enemies of Jesus. Uh, the word he uses to teacher, I will follow you again. Nowhere else uh-huh. in Matthew is that a good word. It's always the enemies who address him as teacher. We'll see another address in a moment that's usually a better address. So I'm not even wondering if maybe this guy isn't just a hypocrite. If he isn't just mm-hmm. standing up for the sake of those around him, saying, "Oh Lord, I'll go wherever you go," I, I, you know, I can't judge a man's heart. But it's interesting the terminology that Matthew uses for him. Um, what do you do with Son of Man, Brady? What do you do with the Son of Man? How, how do well, you see that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I'll, I'll start with this: that it, it is obvious the way Jesus addresses him is he's definitely asking the question, "Are you sure about this?" May, yeah, you know, bringing yeah. up probably hypocritical nature there. But yeah, Jesus mentions son of man. It's mentioned 80 times in the Gospels. It's never used by someone else. It's also it's always Jesus speaking about the son of man. He doesn't say, 
I am the son of man, like, like he does with the I am statements in the yeah. gospel of John. He just talks about the son of man. Um, there's a lot of other language that other people use uh, of him, son of David, very prominent in Matthew, which obviously is parts points to his lineage and that he is the greater David. Son of God is, is very clearly there as well. And king of the Jews by the Magi, so forth. But son of man is kind of a unique, why does he use that language? And I read a couple commentaries and it was kind of like, well, it could be this, could be this. And the best I found, the most consistent of all of them was kind of this understanding of that he is more than a man, but he is a godly servant. So he is God, clearly. Um, he's more than a normal man, but yet he's made flesh and he is a servant above all men was kind of the language that I read. But at the end of it, they kind of ended with a big, but we're not entirely sure, but we do know it has to do with him. So what do you, what do you find? Well, isn't there, isn't there like a, am I getting confused? Isn't it in Daniel? Isn't there, there like a son oh, right. of man yeah. there too? It's kind of a messianic mm-hmm. figure. Uh, right. and, and so you see that come up. Although, you know, uh, you're talking about the commentaries, you know, Gibbs, Gibbs doesn't agree with that. Gibbs says, well, he doesn't think that they would have ever made that connection at least mm-hmm. when Jesus was was walking and preaching, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think I fundamentally agree with what you just said. I, I always rejoice in it because it was like here you got the Almighty God, and when He talks about Himself, because that was the yeah. point you made. No one else calls Him so much. What He talks about Himself, He always calls Himself the Son of Man. And I'm thinking, well, that's cool. Because if I was the Almighty God, I don't think I'd want to identify with a bunch of losers like you and me. <laughs> but it's kind of neat. He he says, "Yeah, I'm one of you. I'm I'm a son of man too." Uh, just a real quick story. Years ago, I, I've, I've got brothers-in-law that have a, a trucking business. By the way, if anyone needs a good trucker up here in Minnesota, Klingberg Trucking. Look them up. Look at it. it's on the internet. I'm sure it's a great. I love it. They'll haul whatever you need to haul. Uh, uh, but but one Christmas they gave me one of their jackets, and on the back, of course, it said Klingberg Trucking, and and these guys are all like they're like six foot three and they're like two hundred and fifty pounds. They're big. They're men, men, and I'm just like a weak little pansy guy, and that just made me feel so proud that they would let me wear the Klingberg Trucking jacket. So I don't know. That's what I always thought about that Jesus said, "I'm the Son of Man. I'm one of you." So, uh, well, whatever. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, phrase that Jesus uses for himself, and it is meant to comfort us. And it, and it brings us back to, like you said, that he is with us. You know, he bore our illnesses. Yeah. And, excuse me. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He's proven once again in that small way that he's with us until the end. But right now, Pastor, we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 8 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, 
go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 8 with Pastor John Lekomsky. To you, our listeners, we love hearing from you, uh, where who you are, where you're listening from, and how long you've been listening to KFUO. Whether this program or others, it's always a joy to hear from you. Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and tell us where you are listening from. I was always amazed to hear that someone from Hawaii is um, is listening. And to you, our listener from Hawaii, uh, tell us about a pastor we can have on. I've yet to have a pastor from Hawaii on, and it does not count if Pastor John Lekomsky goes to Hawaii and leads a program. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. So just, just we love to hear from you from the saints around the world. So what do you, are you going to Hawaii anytime soon, Pastor? No, no, no. But I think you need to make it clear that people can actually do the show from Hawaii. They don't have to join you in Minnesota. <laughs> there you go. Just to make sure you don't have to yeah. come to Sartell. You can stay in your yeah. wonderful land of Hawaii or the island of Hawaii. So, Pastor, I want to get right to verses 21 to 22, because this, along with the rest of our time, we have a lot of gems to unpack, yeah. which, um, which I want to get to. But this one is one that really hits people. I remember when I was on Vicarage, I read this in church on Sunday, and I I was helping with youth group at that time, and this was a passage that they really struggled with, is that one of the disciples says, hey, can I just go back and bury my father, and then I'll be right back, is kind of how we read this, and then Jesus is like, no, let the dead bury their own dead, and it's like, what is going on? How would you address a youth or other people that ask you, what, this doesn't sound like Jesus at all, where would you start? Well, okay, and and so that's the thing. It it is a hard passage, and let's acknowledge that uh, right off the bat. And, and whether you and I can give a, a complete and a final answer, I I, I don't think so. Uh, uh, what people try to do is they try to soften it. Uh, they they say that the phrase "bury my father" is an idiom for well, I needed to go home and take care of my dad until he dies. Uh, mm-hmm. Or another interpretation is well, you know, burying and uh, and the Jewish religion could be really simple because they needed to be buried right away. And yet, on the other hand, the entire burial rite took over a year, right? Because you put the bodies in a tomb, you waited for the flesh to decay, and then you came back and you gathered the bones and you put them in an ossuary. Um, but, but you know what? Uh, Lenski, do you love Lenski? He's an old Lutheran commentator. Yep. He says, I've used that, it, yeah. that's a bunch of... That's a bunch of baloney. He said, well, he doesn't say that. He's much more polite. But he says there's no indication of that at all. It's just what you said. Well, I just need to go. I need to have a day to get this tent, and I'll be right back. Uh, and, and Jesus says, absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. First, no, no, first, got to follow me. That's the first. Let me first go, he says, and bury. No, no, Jesus. And it is what he says elsewhere, right? He says, any man that loves mother and father more than me, it's not worthy to me. It, it's tough. It's really, really tough language we have here. Um, but I think it goes back to the cowardliness thing. Uh, and I, I don't want to be reading into this man's heart and mind, but I think Jesus says, this is an excuse. You, you don't really need to go bury your father. There's people that will tend to the the rituals for you. No, you are afraid. You are a coward, and, and you're using this as an excuse not to follow me. And that really hits home because we do it all the time. We, we have things that we don't really want to do. We know we should do, and, and we're good at coming up with really religious reasons why we don't, isn't it? 
right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a good, oh, this is a good holy reason why we're not doing a loving thing that we know we, we should do. And I kind of think that's the circumstances here. And and so here's the thing you got to understand, Brady. If you really want to love your your family, you got to have Jesus first. You you're incapable of loving your family the way they really need to be loved if you're just trying to do it on your own. Now you can do the rituals, no doubt. You can go through the motions, uh, but to really love and support people in a time of grief, no, no, you, you have to have Christ first. Uh, you can go through all the motions, that's true, but to truly love and commit and be willing to make sacrifices, especially in the time of, of grief, no, you've got to have that faith in Christ first. So that would be my my understanding that, yeah, as hard as it is, Jesus has to be the beginning. Not that we wouldn't love and not that we wouldn't carry uh, for our families, but but uh, we can only really do that after after we know Jesus' love and forgiveness for us. Yeah, there are numerous times where you do try to soften it, and it's probably best put with these words, I heard this once, is really okay. this person is looking at Jesus right in the eyes, and 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 do we would we ever feel comfortable with telling Jesus, you know what, you're not first? And yeah. that's the scenario yeah. that we're that we're placed with here. And this is not easy. This is not this is not a simplistic thing. Uh, Pastor Lukomsky and I are not sitting here saying, "Oh, by the way, I do this really well," because you know no, if you ask me no, to no. do one thing, it, for example, for example, if you were to ask me to do something that I don't really care to do. And at the same time, then someone right after that says, by the way, Brady, I have two free tickets for you to go to a Vikings football game in an hour and a half. <laughs> and, will you, and then and then I'm like, oh, OK, then then I start to reveal my true love. Right. You know, and that's where we all have to double double check ourselves, because Jesus says in Matthew six, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which for me, this obviously, first of all, points me to to a repentance about my lack of love for him and others. Um, and, uh, and, and also this reality that one cannot demote the authority of Christ below other humans. I mean, this is, this is Jesus, you know, we're not talking to, not talking to Bill, you know, talking to somebody else, we're talking to Jesus. And so it's very serious language that we all have to double check ourselves, repent, receive their forgiveness and pray, Lord, help me to fulfill this as you've called me to do. And I, everything else in those details, I think I have to leave to the Lord because I don't know how this all looks all the time, but Lord have mercy. And, and I, I, everything you said, I agree with. That's absolutely the thing is. And, and the thing we need to realize, if, if it isn't that way, if Christ isn't at, at the beginning of what we do, then we are nothing more than dead people burying the dead. That's the best mm. we'll ever be mm. able to do. But with Christ first, then there's so much more, isn't there? Death is not the end of things. Death is, 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 is the beginning of an eternal life with the Lord Jesus and with all of our loved ones. And so, yeah, as we approach this world, if we're just going to do it on our own, that's the best we can do. We're just dead people marrying other dead people. But when you have Christ, it's an all different thing. Not an easy thing. Not an easy thing, as we're going to see in the next story. No. In fact, you, you want to go on a boat ride with Jesus? You think it's going to be just a little uh, a cruise? You know, we'll just sit back and enjoy ourselves and drink our lemonade. No, no, no. It's going to be a really, really difficult journey. But yeah, that's that's. If you want to be more than just dead burying the dead, you gotta go with Christ. Go with Christ. Or actually, He's gonna take us. <laughs> it's a, it's so anyway. a, it's a. Th- 
it's a three hour tour, I think is what the promise was yeah. before they got in the boat. No. Um, and I do like what the conf our confirmation right says, because, you know, do you renounce the devil in all his works and all his ways? Yes, we'll say. And then later on, it says, do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all even death rather than fall away? And sometimes we'll criticize that, like, oh, an eighth grader or a sixth, whatever age you do confirmation, they, they can't make that commitment, you know? And the reality is, I'm like, I'm not sure if I am ready to make that commitment, which is why it does not say, I do. It says, I do by yeah. the grace of God, which is a, an important confession that we have as Christians that all of this is only by the grace of God. So, um, yeah. So let's move on to the storm, to the boat, and, and when they get in. So, so here's the situation. We are cowards. We acknowledge we're cowards, but we're going with Jesus, and now it's going to get tough. And, and in this story, we see a very beautiful thing about what happens when things get tough, and it's really not that difficult. <laughs> but go ahead. Read this story. Let's, let's read it. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, and the boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Or why are you cowards, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? Did even winds and sea obey him? So we've talked a little bit about this. I do want to highlight one word that is often used, yeah. and we'll see it more in the next part. And behold is what Luke used, I mean, excuse me, Matthew uses very often. And it's kind of like, look, look, you know, eyes up, look out there, see what's going on here. And it's really a reminder from Matthew and from the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what's happening. So we're opening our eyes right now. What are we seeing here in this text? Well, and it's interesting because if you trace the roots of that word, behold, back into the Old Testament, and it came to pass. That, that's the Old Testament way of using that word, and it came to pass. And if you check out those stories in the Old Testament, it's always the stories where it seems like God's not in control, but he is in control. <laughs> okay? So check it out and see if that works in the New Testament. When it says, behold, there's usually a circumstance mm -hmm. where things seem to be unraveling, but in retrospect, oh, no, no, that's right. God was actually using all of that unraveling for his purpose, too. Uh, um, yeah. So I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I just said, you know, point this out. I mean, it's it's a it's a, oh, it's a, okay. a story that I, I just brought up. I, we're opening our eyes now what's happening here. So go ahead. You run with it. Run with it. Okay. Well, well, yeah, there it is. And, and we should open it because this is my story. You're giving my story. I'm just trying to be a good Christian pastor going along with Jesus in the boat. And and it's like like my world's falling apart. I, I got more problems than a monkey on a rock, and 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 he's sleeping. What is wrong with him? <laughs> you know, it's, seriously, I've been in this situation over and over again. Uh, and, and so here's what you do when you find yourself in a situation where you're about to be swamped, and it just doesn't seem like God even cares. Then you cry out to him and say, "Save us, Lord, we are perishing." And by the way, Lord is not a bad way. To address him. That is the way disciples address him in the Gospel of Matthew. Not teacher, not someone who's going to give you some instructions and directions, right. but as one who is in charge, in control, and by God, we are perishing. You better save us, <laughs> okay? Which is what we don't understand. That's the program. That's the plan. It's not us saying, oh, Lord, wherever you go, we'll go. 
No, no, the plan is saying, Lord, I'm a coward. I don't know how I can do any of this. But you know what? I trust you can. I trust you can do everything that I can't do. And that includes taking care and loving the people around me, although I will acknowledge I've probably been a failure in that in more than one way. But so, so save me there too, Lord. Save me there too. And one of the beauties of this is kind of like the other shoot a drop kind of time. You can just imagine Jesus in verse 27, because he obviously would have heard this because he's God, he's omniscient. And that oh, men yeah, marveled yeah. saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And this just reminds me of when Jesus is speaking to Pilate and Pilate asks him, what is truth? That it's like that moment where you notice in scripture, it doesn't say what happened next. Because no. Jesus Jesus has kind of allowed there to be silence. Like, well, I think you might have just answered your own question, actually. <laughs> that, <laughs> that this is exactly who he is. This is the authority piece we're speaking about. How he uses this authority shows us how we are versus how God is and what kind of king uses his authority in such a way as this. And obviously a good and gracious king who's willing to die and rise for you. And as we're looking at the text today, as you're saying so beautifully today, to help us along our way to live and to be more Christ-like according to his grace. I mean, this is this is all of that. He's proving it. He's showing it. He's he's showing that he's going to do that with us as well. And, and everything really is in the palm of his hands. So, so what we have here is the definition of what it is to have little faith. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, they don't comprehend... What sort of man this is? Honestly, winds and waves, that's not a big problem for Jesus. All he has to do is rebuke the winds, tell the wind to shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the wind will shut up. You know, that's how powerful he is. So that's the littleness that they weren't quite fully comprehensive that this is the Son of God that's with them, not just the Son of Man. Uh, and it's crazy because in the next story, of course, even the demons know that. Uh, but see, it's still faith. And what makes it yeah. faith? Because they turn to the Lord. Seriously, people, if you've got problems and you're thinking, well, I don't know how God can possibly solve this. Okay, you're a coward. I don't expect any, <laughs> anything greater than you than having thoughts like that. But no, just go pray to the Lord. That's all faith is. We just turn to Jesus. And actually, actually, Jesus who draws us to him. You know, if we saw it, how right. it really was working, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. Because if it was up to them, why would they possibly turn to Jesus? They don't know that he's the Son of God, but the Holy Spirit's alive and well, isn't he? And he's moving these men to do something that they would never do on their own, which is cry out, save us, Lord. And, of course, he does. And, oh, 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 I'm sorry. One more thing that I think is really neat is please note Jesus doesn't wait until their faith is strong enough because there's right. a lot of that baloney out there. Oh, the reason God hasn't answered your prayers is because your faith isn't strong enough. And I'm thinking, do you ever read the Bible? <laughs> God never waits for people to have really strong faith before he delivers them. He delivers them all the time. He delivers them with great faith, with little faith, with no faith at all. Sometimes he'll deliver people. So, uh, yeah, don't ever let anyone tell you, oh, this is why your your problems haven't gone away, because you don't have enough faith. No, no, look at this story. These guys have very little faith. But what faith is a grain of mustard seed, right? That'll get the job done, because uh, it's not your faith that gets the job done. It's Jesus who gets the job done. We see that throughout this, not only the authority, but the need for divine intervention for God's people. So you have Joseph, he's about to divorce his wife quietly, and the angel's like, no, don't do that. 
actually there's a plan here that the, the wise men are about to visit. They go to Jerusalem and it's like without divine intervention, one, they wouldn't have gone to the right place. Secondly, they would have gone to their demise. And these are wise men, you know, on how um, how we look at this. You look at you look at everything throughout here that divine intervention. And here it is again, without divine intervention, these you know, they wouldn't even have a clue on what's happening here, but divine intervention shows them the authority of Jesus. And, and here's another fun thing. When uh, the wise men show up in, uh, um, in Jerusalem, it says, behold, kind of like, look, these guys are even around. So we hear that word again. And once again, behold, there's a storm. Look at this. Even in the midst of that, God is still king. So there's all these fun words that go into this, but pastor, I want to spend the last 10 minutes on our last part. So Give me 30 seconds. Anything else on that or move on? All right. So here's here's why the next story is important. Because okay, up to this point, you may be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus will help you. He'll help you. But you have to be a certain quality of person, right? I mean, at least these guys did get in the boat with him. And, and well, you know, they did cry out to him in their need. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I believe you. Yeah, I believe Jesus will take care of me as long as I'm a certain quality of person and now we're going to have a story where any man in their right mind would have just said who wants to bother with those people you gotta be kidding me and yet we're going to see nope nope that's not how it works it's not about the quality of your personhood and not about how nice the guy you are how good you are no that has nothing to do with the reach of god's hased his steadfast love and now we're going to see that God loves the people that you and I would never dream of loving. Well, then I suppose you can love me too. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Okay. 28 until 34. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, that's what I'm going to go with this time, two demon-possessed men. I think men, that looks good, yeah. <laughs> demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. So there's a number of surprises here as they get to the Gadarenes across, um, and, and there's you already alluded to a number of factors. This is probably Gentile land. Uh, these are men who no one would want to deal with because they can't even pass by them without fear of being attacked. And they come to Jesus, and somehow the people don't know who he is, but the devil does. How do you want to begin this part? Yep, yep. Well, so I just want to emphasize that again. Uh, in fact, I was going to save this to the end, but let me throw it in now because in radio sometimes we run out of time. What, what, what's really fun is that as soon as the story is done, Jesus gets in the boat and he goes back home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so if you're in the side you're saying, we, we made a dangerous trip across the Sea of Galilee so you can heal two demon-possessed men. <laughs> and now we're going to and go, then go back home. across. That's right. And then go home. <laughs> But, but I think that's so cool because that, that's the only reason we make the trip and we go through all the danger because there's two people I love. 
and I'm going to free them from their demon possession. And what a powerful story about Jesus. Huh? That's how far, oh, well, you haven't heard how far he'll go for people he loves. This is just this is just the tip of the iceberg as a power. But just you understand that whoever's listening to me right now and listen to us, yeah, Jesus will go to great lengths because he loves you. And don't ever think that, well, he's not gonna love me because I'm wrestling with my demons. I got my demons I'm wrestling with. No, no, that's particularly why he's concerned for you and wants to come and, and, and heal you. Uh so anyway, it did tickle me that, that this whole trip is just about these two guys. <laughs> Okay. Right, right. Uh, I didn't yeah, think about yeah. that. That's a good uh, point. Um, so, well, I look, know. Go ahead. There's so I many want to things start, here, like you said. Um, once again, and behold, they cried out. And here so the devil is. knows. Yeah. He doesn't say son of man. He says son of God. And why are you yeah. here to torment yeah. us? And it's interesting, before the time, a number of different commentaries on that. Probably the end of time, meaning when Jesus returns kind of language is what I read. But not fully sure, and that's by me not the main point, but they definitely, they know that Jesus is there. They can't seem to beat him, Matthew 4, you know, just this just, does just not work. Can you just leave? Because we're having a heyday over here in the Gentile land, so just stay away from <laughs> us. So it's interesting from there that they want to go into the pigs. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, why? Anything you found? Well, let, let me let me let me say this to you in, in, in that same regard. God, demons are stupid. They have to be the most stupid <laughs> spirits. Well, first of all, because like you said, they first they know God is more powerful than there, there's no debate right. about this. They, they're not. See, by the way, listeners, will you get that through your head? Because the the worldly picture is evil and good are fighting it out, and who knows right. who's going to win. And the biblical picture is no, no, evil always loses. It never wins. It doesn't have a chance. It's like darkness against light. You turn on the light, the darkness goes away. So they know they're going to lose. They know already God's more powerful than them. They know in the end what's going to happen to them before the time, like you say. They know how this all works out. They actually see the future. And yet, (laughs) they still won't stop tormenting God's people. Uh, uh, and, and, and you're right, this whole pig thing, it strikes me, they can't even keep their own home. Jesus mm-hmm. says, okay, I will show you mercy, because that's my nature. I will let you go in into the pigs, and what do they do? Then they go and destroy the pigs, okay? Um, so, yes, yes, do not, do not be a demon. <laughs> they're right. just, they're just dumb. That's all they are. Uh, but we do. We, we get suckered by them all the time, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and we assume, like you said, it's an equal fight. And here, if you yeah, notice, yeah. they come, they start speaking to Jesus before he, he doesn't even say anything. Like, okay, just let us go into the pigs. And there's a lot of, I think, ink spilt on that. We don't really know. It could be the uncleanliness of pigs, whatever it might be. Either way, it, it fits with what you're saying. Pigs are idiots. If you've ever been around a pig, like they eat their own feces. I mean, they're not <laughs> smart animals. And so for the devil to want to go into them disproves exactly what you just said. Jesus says barely anything. He only says one word this whole time. And what was it? Yeah, go. Yeah. Go. He says, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Showing his authority with them. So he has full authority over this. They go in and they just like, like idiots they are, they go and die. End of story. So it just shows once again his authority. Showing if you can trust anybody, it's going to be me. And here's why. Other thoughts? So, so here's the thing. There are demons out there, and some are real spiritual demons. Other are things that the demons use. You know, the, the old uh, Baptists used to talk about demon rum. But there's a point to that. 
because uh, there are people that are struggling with these things. And so the key thing you need to understand, if, if you are struggling with those things, with alcohol, for one, but there's many other things that would tend to demonize us, because uh, that's actually what the word, it says demon-possessed, but the, the Greek word really means people that have been demonized, mm-hmm. um, and we can be demonized by many things. So here's the two things you need to understand. Number one, you are not more powerful than they are. So now we're back to the cowardice thing. You, you are not going to overcome this. You cannot control this. Uh, the step to recovery is the recognition that this is beyond your power. All right? So let's not be foolish and say, oh, Lord, I'll follow you. No, you're not going to. But here's the second thing, as you pointed out so beautifully, Brady. The Lord Jesus is absolutely, totally, completely. He is more powerful than all of these demons and any of the demons that we're wrestling with. So it seems to me the answer is pretty obvious. We just need to cry out, Lord, save us. But ain't it remarkable, these these two men did not cry out, and yet the Lord still did what? He oh, saved them. And mercy on them. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so don't don't put yourself in that position where you say, oh, well, I guess I haven't cried out enough, I haven't prayed enough, or whatever it is, you haven't done enough. No, no, go and realize the Lord Jesus does want to save you. Probably the biggest thing you need to do is just get out of his way. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, that Lord have mercy on us is a common phrase. I yeah. want to say one thing, and I'm yeah. going to give myself a minute, and I want your thoughts at the end. Is it just bring up sure. good questions, especially for you or young people who are listening, or those who like thriller movies about demon possession and so forth and evil? Um, this brings up a good question. What about demon possession? There are a number of books at CPH. Um, I Am Not Afraid is one that speaks about this. But one thing I found interesting is, Demon possession is only concentrated really in the Synoptic Gospels. It's never in John. It's barely ever in the New Testament. It is something that is quite fascinating to look at. And we don't know fully a lot of these things, but we do know this. When you look at Luke and John 12 and Colossians and you look at Revelation, it appears that when when Satan lost at the cross, right, that that he was thrown down and Jesus really has authority over him. So you as the baptized, as those one beloved by the Lord, um, do not be afraid of the devil, for Jesus has full authority over him. You are baptized. You are in Christ. And so when we look at this, I think there's a lot more we could discuss on. But today, just remember this, that Christ has full authority and the gates of Hades will never overcome. So, Pastor, with about 30 seconds left, in our, or about, about a minute left, how would you um, encourage people with our verses we read today? Well, so, so again, I, I, if we want to talk about demon possession, and you're right, it's very prominent, but it almost seems like it becomes less after Christ dies on the cross. Like, they basically, right, right. that's put an end to that. Although, I would not play footsie with the devil right now if anyone's listening to us. Because I th- he's capable of doing whatever he wants to do, especially if we allow him. Uh, and, and I think that's the key thing about this story, that these are not necessarily good men anyway. All right, I, I'm sure they have, were doing all kinds of evil, wicked things that they were able to be demonized. Uh, and yet, see, that again is the point that this text makes over and over again. We have a God of unbelievable mercy, right? Lord, have mercy on us. And that's what he does. That's what he does. So whatever you're struggling with right now, please understand that the Lord Jesus, as we begin, he wants to take those burdens. He really, really does. And he's going to keep keep being with you and keep working on it. And you just literally can't get away from him. He'll just keep coming after you until you 
Say, Lord, save us. We're perishing. And then he'll save you. And he is. That's what he's doing constantly day in and day out. Uh, We don't even know it sometimes, but that's the whole plan. In fact, all the storms are part of that plan, too. So that in the end, we might be saved by Jesus, not by our own works. Pastor John Lekomsky, a retired pastor who dabbles in the radio as co-host of Wrestling with the Basics from Matthew, being, giving us God's strong word from Matthew 8. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you again for being our guest. And, and, and thank you for letting me do dealing with the whole text, because I'd never done that before, <laughs> and that was so helpful for me. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>